Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Fright Talk. You are here with Nadine Tabsch and my good friend. Billy B.J. Jones, the Fright Talk guys. And welcome so much to our very special episode where we're going to go over the Fear Street trilogy and do a whole review on it. Today is July 30th, 2021. It is currently 7 o'clock p.m. And today, as I mentioned, we're going to go into the Fear Street Saga, which is now available on Netflix, by the way. It's an incredible throwback slasher trilogy based on R.L. Stein's work. Learn more about the trilogy's clever plot. Warning, this episode contains many spoilers. <laughs> many spoilers, because we're going to talk about each of the movies, um, beginning, middle, and end. So, if at any point you want to speak to us, you are more than welcome to. You can call into the live podcast at 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347-539-5372. And if you'd like to email us your comments, your questions, or your requests, in case you're a little shy, you can do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that's everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or frighttalkguys at gmail.com. Or you can DM us your request on Instagram at ntabsh, N-T-A-B-S-E-H, at Dr. Billy Jones or at Fright Talk Guys. So, Billy, as we get ready before we dive deep into this trilogy, mm-hmm. um, I know that you've seen it and I've seen it. Mm-hmm. So, how uh, excited are you to go over these movies that we saw? Listen, first of all, I have to thank you, brother, because Brother Nadine here, folks, Got me interested in this. He's been talking about it for like two months. And if you see Fright Talk, have you watched the first series? And every time he would watch it, I, you know, we speak regularly. Well, I just watched the second one. I just watched the third. I'm like, oh, Lord, I haven't got it on the first one. I watched last week. I binge-watched over the course of two days. So it necessarily wasn't binging all three episodes. And I started, and it was like 11 o'clock at night. It was like perfect. It was one of those nights when it was raining really badly here. Yeah. So I got the pleasure of, of watching all three movies, enjoyed it immensely, and I can't thank you enough for giving me, bringing this into my life. Don't you, don't you love it when you're watching a horror film and it's raining? Like the mood is just perfect for something like that? Oh, yeah. It rained so badly that night. You know that night. It was a couple of nights ago in the week. A really bad storm. Um, it was a really bad storm. I love when it rains at night when I'm in bed. Right. I'm okay with that. So, and I usually watch my scary movies at night, too. So it was just perfect. Thank you so much. So I, 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 I was so excited. You probably heard it in my voice a couple yeah. days ago when we chatted. Just excited to talk about this because there are so many little cool things to unpack in this. There is. And, and definitely, I, I know, listeners, you're going to enjoy it. And thank you for your questions. Many of you sent, uh, sent questions earlier this week. 
and we figure that's a good thing. <laughs> so we are going to try to unpack a lot of the things that you all mentioned and then some. So, we'll, we're, you know, we're watching the lines and we appreciate your support. And, you know, Billy, something that I want to put out there, which I'm sure a lot of people know already by mm-hmm. now, Fear Street started off as a book series. There's mm-hmm. about 60 books mm-hmm. in Fear Street. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it started in the 80s and may have carried her over to the early 90s. So Fear Street, obviously written by R.L. Stein, and you guys would know R.L. Stein as well from Goosebumps. Right. And um, the, uh, he, he even did some Garbage Pail Kids mm-hmm. books as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he is a staple in the horror community. He really is. And so he wrote these Fear Street books, and to be honest with you, I think Fear Street getting films is long, long overdue. And this is just a trilogy of the, these particular stories on Fear Street, but there's so many more stories that could be told. And uh, Nadim, I agree. I didn't realize the breadth of what Ariel Stein was doing until you introduced this to me. And I also want to share this, folks. What's super cool about this movie is that it's, it, it, it's always teetering on the fence of classic, supernatural. I, I mean, I'm still, I'm still trying to classify. This yeah. was ahead of its time a bit. If you think yeah. back on it, yeah. and, and, I, and I didn't read the books, um, I, not, not this particular series, I will be honest. But if it's anything like what we just saw, mm-hmm. that was impre- impressive. Yeah. I, it's definitely different than anything else we're seeing currently out right now. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, one of the things that happened is that, and we were having this conversation mm-hmm. before the mm-hmm. show, R.L. Stein is underrated. He is a master of horror. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, across different genres, because even with the Goosebumps, I mean, he wrote horror for children. And think about that for a moment. How impressive is that? But I think what happened was, as Fear Street was getting, as he was coming out with these books, you know, Stephen King would come out with this big novel, and R.L. Stein's pumping out these smaller that's right. uh, that's books because they're significantly right. smaller. These novels mm-hmm. that are become that are coming out, but I think that sometimes, especially in the eighties, uh, I think Arnold Stein kind of got overshadowed, and I feel like you know in the nineties he he kind of got more credit for the Goosebumps as he well deserved, mm-hmm. and now with Fear Street, I'm hoping it broadens people's horizons to them, and I'm hoping that people that see or saw these movies, say to themselves, you know what, I want to pick up one of those books. Mm. You know, and a lot of the yeah. books that he wrote, a lot of them were like, you know, teenagers, high school horror type deal. Uh, but it was just really, really good. And I do think that the movies did some of the books justice. Well, I will share. When I first thought, when well, you told me it was R.L. Stein, I immediately thought it was going to be PG. Right. Like totally PG. Right. And, right. You, said, and you said to me, and the dean's word. Oh no 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 no! This is definitely different. Right. <laughs> and right. so then when I started watching the opening scenes, I'm seeing teenagers. In my mind, I'm actually seeing like live modern day teenagers. Yeah. And I'm sure many of the actors in here are obviously of age. With some of the things we saw, but it was definitely a, a pleasant surprise yeah. to see that it it was more than that. It was there were some very adult circumstances that were taking place here, very deeply rooted in historic situations. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought it was a great, you know, a trilogy, the number three, how it played all in, the numerology in this movie alone. Yes, yes. It's worth mentioning. So I just want to share this. Folks, for those of you who are not aware, we're going to just summarize. I'm going to just sort of summarize in my own words, and then Nadine can chime in as he feels it appropriate. To me, this movie, or the movies, the, the trilogy, is about us coming back to our past, Thematically, mm-hmm. the past will come back to haunt you. Yes. Karma's a real bitch. Yeah. Uh, 
the idea that modern day, even though we have modern day circumstances, they see that no matter what, who knows? It kind of plays off this idea of reincarnation too. It's like, it's just these really neat circumstances. But what I thought was the most pleasant was to me, the ending was great. I enjoyed the ending. It, you know, it just tied it all nicely. It paired very significantly and kudos to these actors. Oh yeah. Absolutely. My goodness, the, the 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 diversity in the uh, of their the variety the, the 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 diversity in their acting their ability to move through time and keep yeah. the storyline building it was just beautiful to watch so thank you so much to all of you yeah and I I, I agree with you I thought that the movies they were so well done and uh, let me tell you something else that soundtrack from the 1994 one from the first one that came out. I downloaded the soundtrack after it came out. I'm like, what? You got Nine Inch Nails on here? Yeah. You got some alternative music? Oh, I want this. So I downloaded some of that music, and you're right. It, it paid homage to that, and those those themes of, and especially, I really like that, you know, we have this town, this Fear Street, this, this town where, you know, this shady side mm-hmm. where things are, you know, people are a little bit more, grimy or more real and then you have the sunnier side where people are pleasant but more fake right so you know you, you see those two comparisons and, I, and I, I really thought it was just it was just amazing how they did it and the going back uh in time with every movie but yes i agree the actors and actresses did a, a great job i mean they sold it they oh, absolutely gosh. sold it and you know what else i thought was interesting the thing did you notice the diversity yeah, and this movie yeah. that regardless yeah. of era, it had this diversity of people. It still had a majority of what needed to be in the in the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it still gave, in, 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 in including the idea of the whole sexuality aspect, which mm-hmm. totally surprised me. Me too. At the very beginning, I said, "Wow, look at this cute, adorable girl here!" And then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Wait a minute, Sam, Sam, Sam's a girl." And I thought, "Okay, this is cool." This right. is another layer. It also is easy to build that conflict, to use that conflict to help re- evolve everything else around it. So I thought that was super neat as well. Right. And so in the end, folks, I will say this, um, you know, just for me, I think this trilogy, it really speaks and it reminds us of all the, fin- the fascinating things that creep us out about our modern time. Yes. And that we don't know the origin, the deeply rooted origins of anger or frustration yeah. or revenge, things that manifest. And it's no different than what we get today, Nadine, when you have families that pass on feuds. Yeah. You know, mafias do it, for instance. Yeah. Tribal communities have done it in primitive societies mm-hmm. where they pass on these feuds. Right. And it's, I'm like, okay, this is different. But then it also reinforces the whole idea, nothing worse than a woman scorned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and especially a powerful one. Right. And so let me ask this question, and this is for Fear Street uh, 1984. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we started in 1984. So, no, 94. I mean, 94, 94. 94, my apologies. In 1994, which is important, folks, there was a reference to AOL. Yes, there so, was. Th- so I, there was a moment when we were watching this. Did you feel like when they were having these moments, I'm like, well, why don't they pull out their cell phone? And I'm like, wait. There was no cell phone for them to pull out like that. Right, right. Right. So did you find those moments where my modern world was kind of like, I was kind of almost forgotten that I was in the, in another time, although the period was clearly indicated by the setting and the clothing and all that. People right. were in that time. But I also still felt like, wait a minute, but we're now. This is happening right No, it's not happening right now. This is 20 right. plus years ago. Right. Did you find those moments in the storyline? You saw these little subtleties of the 90s. 
in the storyline, whether it be in the setting, the clothing, things like that? I did. And then let me tell you that I saw a lot of mm-hmm. things that I missed, right? Things that I forgot about that I'm like, wow, I remember that. And also, like when I would see dial-up, I'm like, man, the kids <laughs> don't know how good they have it today because the struggle was real having to listen to that dial-up just to have a little bit of internet. Um, so, yeah, I did. I found myself, especially with the, the music, some of that mm-hmm. grunge clothing tie-in. The opening scene in the 1994 one, that, that scene in the mall, and those neon uh, colors, uh, yeah. that yeah. it just took me back, and I was like, wow, that is so cool, because, you know, the mall was the place to go, you know, before all this online shopping, before Amazon or anything like that. We'd hang out at the mall. Like, that was the thing to do, and malls also had movie theaters adjacent to it. So it definitely took me back. But then I thought to myself, man, we – so <laughs> it, it, things are easier for us – well, in aspects of technology anyway. Things are easier for us today. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like it was a struggle for those things back then either, right? So you just waited more for Internet. It was what it was, right? There, yeah. We didn't get frustrated yeah. over – I mean, sometimes, yeah. but it was just – it was just uh, – it was almost like going to a time machine. I will. Uh, I'll add this. You know the fact that the storyline of the the lesbian couple or mm-hmm. or lovers, the closeted. It was definitely a different world, a different America. Yeah. I have to say that the lady, the girl who the protagonist of the one with the curly long, yes. I can remember her name. She was beautiful, and also I didn't pick up, and I thought it was just kind of neat that you know not all lesbians look the same, folks. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of neat that they played into that. And on top of that, the fact that they, you know, there was there was family life in the circumstance that was very prevalent. No parents were ever around. These kids could kind of like go as they please. Mm-hmm. That was kind of mm-hmm. interesting. But the father was also a drunk. Yeah. The house was in disarray. Right. Um, and she looked after her little brother who was on the computer all the time. And when you mentioned AOL, I have to say this. There was only so many hours you were given a month. That's right. So this boy was in those chat rooms doing only God knows what for only at a certain amount of time. Right. Right. So, folks, you have no idea how much we are privileged, those of you who are listening, how privileged we are today to have the technology that we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, Billy, you know, before we get in, we, I know we have a lot of questions mm-hmm. and stuff, but if we can summarize okay. the, the trilogy uh, for those listeners out there, if we could summarize that one, because it was one fluid storyline. Yes, it was. So, if we could summarize that one fluid storyline... Um, I guess I I would best describe it. I want your description because you're a descriptive person. I would uh, describe it as a a curse that went through generations, which affected people Mm -hmm. to the year 1994, and they had to start working their way back to see where it came from. And I know I'm missing a ton of detail in that, but in its most basic form. I think it's perfect what you said. The idea, a curse. And it plays off. I thought of when, we, when the curse part came in, mm-hmm. I thought of the Bell family curse. Oh, I thought yeah. of all these yeah. historic curses that we've had. I think we may have talked about them on the show. Yeah. So it, it took the the witch, the, the Salem witch trials, the whole idea of women being subjugated, women who are different, mm-hmm. or people in society who are odd, being considered the, 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 the vagrants, the, the, the vagabonds, the, 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 the troublemakers, the contaminated and evil. So you had all that playing out nicely. 
Um, the 1994 gave us a, real, a reality check in terms of what technology could do in influencing our own understanding of those things. Mm-hmm. And the reminder in the first of the trilogy, movie the trilogy, how worlds revolve and that technology had a, a very important impact on that in that aspect. And also societal influences and imaging, you know, po- you know body imaging, self-imaging, things like that. So we get down, so we, we, we meet from 19, we go to 1978, was it? Was it 1978. So 1978, we go back in time, folks, in the second trilogy, where now you get the, the idea of camps and, you know, you have camps, counselors, and a lot of things, laws are very different than they were today, folks. People were camp counselors who should not have been. And, you know, and then you get the reminder of what was going on in terms of the Slasher world. Halloween came out in 1979, right. yeah. I think it was, with Jamie Lee Curtis around that time. So the idea of the beautiful woman and the damsel in distress having to fight the big monster and living was reinforced in this setting. You have sex as a subcontext, secrets as well. You got the, the pre-goth world right. <laughs> and misfit girls also in there. You got the bullying aspect. So that played out nicely. We get to 1666. I thought 1666. First, when it came up, I was like, okay, I know they're going. I said, I, it made sense. I never felt once that there was no flow of of, of, right. of plot. Right. It worked wonderfully. Thank you for the trailer for the next one as well to see what was coming up. But it was just enough to tease my interest, and I felt that I didn't miss a thing. I get to 1966. I'm taken back in time to a well. I mean, it's, how do you even describe this? A time that was marred with combinations of religious oppression. Yes. Um, um, identity, you have settler aspects, you know, pre, you know, pre-expansion eras of America, pre-wars of the modern times that we're in, pre-America the way we know it today, the birth of it at least. And so, and folks also uh, trying to understand and still believing in predictive systems yeah. to kind of yeah. govern and explain the things that are going on in right. societies right. or in the world. And so, and, and even those systems, predictive systems or beliefs were challenged, right? Yeah. And so I thought that was so neat, but it was the third that tied it all back to the first that made me appreciate the whole. Yeah. That is, I've never seen that done before. Yeah. It, it never. Was, it was so good. And, yeah. You know, 1994, being a horror fan, the trilogy gave me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. 1994, I get my slasher yeah. feel in, right? Then we go 1978. The, like you said, the Halloween, we also get that Jason mm-hmm. campground kind of thing. Let's, you know, kill the campers. Then it goes to 1666. And then in the, in the middle of that, of that third installment, it goes back to 1994. Mm-hmm. And it just flowed so, so well mm-hmm. together. So I, I was highly impressed. One more thing you just got to be thinking about. In 1978, Nadine, there were ladies... Um, there were ladies, um, there was a camp of kids that were actually slaughtered. It was a real camp in America. I, I don't know if we talked about it here, but um, it was a camp and there was a murders. I came across it on YouTube a couple weeks ago. You know, things appear in my feet I shouldn't see. And I'm looking at it at close to midnight at night, folks. <laughs> and so, but it was a campground and these guys were going to this abandoned space. Okay. And it was a campground where people were actually slaughtered and all these folks and they pointed out the different spaces. It's a real place here in America. So when I now watch back and recall the movie, number trilogy part two, I'm thinking if that's paying homage to that, 
you know, right. to that, that slaughter. that slaughter. There were women that were slaughtered. The way they, you know, the, the way the ladies laid on the ground, the sisters, mm-hmm. I thought that was super neat. And it all relates back to that case, actually. There was an actual case that kind of re- revolved around it. Should have done my homework on it, but then again, I did, it just popped up now. Number three, though, I thought was really neat because it just took you back to the Salem Witch Trials and things of yeah. that nature. Yeah. And, this, and the, the, it, but the unfairness. The unfairness, yeah. the speculation, how speculation killed people. Yeah. And even more so, you know, this was different, though, because it flipped the script on a number of things. You got female protagonist, mm-hmm. lesbian. Right. The pastor, the priest, the guy that the third one, 1966, yes. who would have been a woman, but now it's a man religious, but also reinforcing the Gothic, the Southern Gothic. I thought it was cool. It was just, it's just fascinating. So, folks, you know you're listening to us live. We're just so happy to hear this. <laughs> I'm happy to see the D number one. I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks physically. And then, two, call us at 347-539-5372. You can call in again at that number, or you can inbox me right now. We're quiet, but the inbox is open at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com in case something pops in. Oh, I should be checking my social media. So if you've been sending social media um, um, tickets or notices, too, we got that open as well. So you could go right now. The best to go to is Fright Talk Guides. That's our best of suit right now. It'll, if you want to send in a comment or DM us with something special, that's at Fright Talk Guys on Instagram, okay? And Everyday Folks Listen at gmail.com is the one that I have open here. And so we do have a few questions that came in a little early. We're going to go ahead and read some of those for you guys. Yeah, we actually have quite a bit. So let's go ahead and start off here. Do you want me to go in any specific order here? Or whatever you feel, whatever jumps out at you. All right, so let's go with Tim. Tim, thank you for your question. Tim says, I've never heard of Fear Street until now. Ah, do not worry, Tim. We are here to educate you. What's it about, basically, and what classification of horror is it? Mm. Now, I, I don't know if Tim means the books mm-hmm. or if he means right. the movies. Right. So I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But let's start with uh, what it is. So... He's asking what's it basically about. I think we kind of answered that with the summary. But in reference to the books, Tim, it's essentially Fear Street is a series of books where different things happen in this one particular place, Mm -hmm. right, with different people involved. Sometimes some of the characters would recur in one novel or another. Uh, But Billy, what classification of horror do you think this is? Good question. I would classify it. it, It's still a slash. Well, okay. Now you got me thinking. If we have to subdivide it, Tim, by the different um, in the trilogies, mm-hmm. part one, right. slasher. Yes. Part two, slasher. Slasher as well, right. You got part three, supernatural. Yes. And part three, A, everything. <laughs> and so I would say that it is weird fiction. Yeah. It's weird film fiction because it just has a hybrid of everything. And that's where, in the writing world, weird fiction is when you start mix, remixing all of them and not staying in one order. Mm-hmm. I think film is doing that now, too. I wouldn't say it's psychological, Tim, because it's not playing on some psychological warfare. No. And that's not the, the eminent thought or right. focus, point right. of view. Um, I think it pays homage, homage to these previous um, works of, of, of horror, classic yes. horror, with a little taste and dabble over, or remix of the two or, or, or three or a hybrid of those, the ones that were previously mentioned. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Yeah. I, and I also think that that historical element 
1666 has that historical element Mm. as well because of Salem Witch Trials. We talked about Roanoke here. Remember that? Yes. So we talked about Roanoke last November, folks. Uh, You know, go check out the podcast. (laughs) Um, But in that, the settlers, that whole idea of settlers and the whole disappearance of that community, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of wondering if that had any influence on R.L. Stein. So R.L. Stein, if you're listening, because we tagged you in the post, by the way, Mm -hmm. if you're listening, Please comment, slide into our DMs, and give us an insight because we're fascinated. You know, Billy, I met R.L. Stein many years ago. Where? Where'd you meet him? Here in Miami. Uh, okay. R.L. Stein, you remember that Miami Day College mm-hmm. would do the mm-hmm. international book fair, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which I don't know. I believe they were doing it up until pandemic. Mm-hmm. And he was the guest speaker because he was coming out with a new children's series. And I was able to meet him briefly, and I have at home one of the original Goosebumps uh, novels signed by him. Yeah, absolutely. He, I saw him, R.L. Stein, on um, Instagram. Uh, and, you know, see, people, you don't realize this, but many of the classic authors that we know today, they have social media, too. Yeah. But in my mind, I go to their pages, and R.L. Stein, this is all love to you, of course. But when I went to the page, I thought, oh, my gosh, he's going to have, like, three million. He's not going to have much. But he just has 50,000 followers. It's a, a, a strong, loyal-based fan group. Mm-hmm. I think his, the other uh, social media feeds for Fear Street and for the things he do, does gets more traffic. But I thought it was kind of neat to go back because as you, if you go to his social media it, 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 on Instagram, it kind of pays homage to Fear Street and all of his other classic things like we mentioned earlier. Yeah. So just an interesting point. But, Tim, I, I have to say the classification is so weird that it's so cool. You just got to watch it. Make the time. Do it. If you don't have Netflix, get a subscription. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, in the Goosebumps movies, mm-hmm. the ones with Jack Black, Arl Stein does make an appearance in both of them. Briefly. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, little cameos in both. I must have, I watched these. He's yes, there? he is. He is. Okay. Very right, right, I mean, okay. maybe a two-minute scene. It's, huh. not, it's not less than that. Uh, hmm. So, thank you, Tim, for your question. Hopefully, we answered and give you some foundation for the, the Fear Street section. Uh, let's move on to Stenson. Ooh. I just watched Fear Street 19... 19- 84? I think he means 94. I think he said 94. Yeah. I keep saying 1984. <laughs> he says it was great. I really like how it sets the stage for other movies. Do you like the storyline? Billy, do you like the storyline? I love the storyline. Yeah. I thought it was, it kept me engaged. I have, it's been a while since I've seen any movie of that, that kept my attention. Especially, and I'm not one folks to also, I love sequels and I love all those kind of things. But if it's a sequel, I'm going to be honest, I love Halloween, but I more likely watch it on my own than watch it when it first comes out as a movie, if it's a sequel like number 24, right? Right. right. But this was different where I, I just wanted to see the neck. I did not want to – I didn't want a day to go uh, – another day in between to go without, without me finishing mm-hmm. or connecting to part two and then connecting yeah. to part three. And so, Stenson, even if you do find yourself – you know, you said it in 1994 that you watched it. I hope that you'll watch the other two because I think um, the storylines, it, it, it masterfully connects. It's intertwined. Um, great acting. I thought the acting was not campy at all. And anyone who yeah. out there saying it, I disagree with you. Right. I thought it wasn't campy. I was impressed with the quality of what these young actors and also the veteran actors who were there. I can't recall. Do you recall any famous name or person in there that you could say, oh, I know that person from the past? I don't recall. I, I couldn't identify any of those, and I'm okay with that. That's my point. Right. I'm okay with that. I want some new blood. I want right. some new influences on horror. Yeah. It's great to see. Uh, the only person I recognized was the sheriff, the younger guy. 
He was actually in the show The Office. <gasps> That's right. Yes. Oh my yes. God. He's the only one that I that he I was from the office. He was yes. from The Office. Yes. See, the yes. is so good. I so. Yes, he was. And I don't remember his name right now. See, that's ah. the thing. I can't tell you any of the new actors' names. Right, right. And, I'm, and, you know, folks, if we want to support them, we should kind of know them. But I also have to say I'm kind of liking just getting to know them for their craft. Yes. And yeah. just knowing what they can do. And then from that point, learning who they are. Right. And so I, I have to say it's great. And since one more thing I wanted to share with you, too. You know, it's, you know, it does set the stage for other movies, I think. I think we're about to see some other things that are coming out that I don't know if it will live up to this, but it works. I feel that Stein has another modern-day ingredient or recipe that he needs to run with. So, so R.L. Stein, we salute what you've done and continue. It's different from the other one. What's the name of the, the show, the demon that you turned me on to, where they had the kids in the crop, seven, and all the, oh, my gosh. It's a, it's a, oh, um, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Yeah. It's not a Stranger Things, although I thought, I like when I get groups of kids together that are getting into misfit situations. Like, I kind of like that. I'm a Goonies lover. I like that throwback idea. But I like what Stein has done in this work in, in, in Fear Street because it just takes that and remixes it. So I'm okay that it doesn't, it breaks all the rules. And it's very female empowering. There are a lot yeah. of female characters in it yeah. that are the focus that, yeah. that's different. I thought right. that was interesting, too. Right. And, and, the actor's name, I looked it up, is uh, Ashley Zuckerman. He was Nick Good. Uh, and then the girl who's the, more or less yeah. the main character, Kiana Ma- mm-hmm. Mariela. Mm-hmm. Okay, she was the main character. Um, so, and uh, again, they all did such a phenomenal job. And since I would definitely say, and I agree with Billy, go out and check out the other movies as well. You know, when they first came out, what they did was they dropped one movie a week for three weeks. Mm. So you were smart and waiting. Right? Because then you were able to see them back to back. Ah, okay. I, I saw them as they came out, and I was like, oh, damn, i got to wait till the next week. So they did drop one a week for three weeks, which was genius as well. It gave people plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. people plenty of time to watch this film. Yeah. And, folks, you're listening live to us on Friday, July 30th. You know we're on the second to the last day of July. And, folks, let me also remind you, our favorite time of the year is coming. We're about to embark on August in two days. And then we can say, Nadine, we are two months away from Halloween. And we are fewer than 100 days away from Halloween now at this point, too. So this is, this is super cool. Want to call us? Call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that's 347-539-5372. And box us with your questions or your comments or your requests at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. You can send stuff over at FriedTalkGuys at gmail.com or hit Nadeem up on his Instagram, uh, or on our Instagram, for that matter, on ntabs at N-T-A-B-S-E-H or FriedTalkGuys. Simple to find. So I got a question for you, that came, that, a question that came in for us, Nadeem, a little earlier, and this was from Max, the famous Max. Which of the three movies is your favorite? Ah, uh, such a tough question, Max, but... I'm going to say that the 1994 one was my favorite. I'm going to okay. tell you why. Loved the soundtrack. Loved the soundtrack because it took me back, right? Loved yeah, that it had that great. slasher element, and I loved the colors, that those that really dark abandoned mall with the bright neon. Yeah, I just thought it was, it was, mm-hmm. yeah, I was drawn in to that mm. movie from the beginning, and that's what, what I liked about it. So for me, I would say the first one, the 1994, was, my favorite of the three. Tough choice, though. 
Uh, what about you, Billy? I mean, I know it's a hard choice, but it is Nadim. Don't I think '94 was the best by far because it sets the stage for everything that follows. I will say, I was I enjoyed it, but my least interest was the second one. Agreed. I don't know. You know why? I thought the gore, like there was, <laughs> there was a moment when the killers were. I mean, it, it was it was intense. It it was a lot. It was like, okay, the, the, the hacking, hacking. I get it. I get it. It was like, whoa, slasher to the next level, purge-like almost. Like, So I thought it was – I loved it. I enjoyed right. it very much. But if you, out, of, out of the three that I remember, I, the plot in the second one is the one that I know it in essence, but it's not the one I want to recall easily. Yeah. Because I got a little confused yeah. a little bit at some aspect, mm-hmm. like the whole sister situation – and the camp, I didn't know who was a trust. The goth girl, these per- it, people were sleeping together. It was it was a lot going on. The girls yeah. bullying. It to me, it seemed a little out of place um, for what was already set up. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, and so I kind of thought that when 1666 arrived, a I was thinking, I hope this is better. And then B, when I realized that a few minutes this is going to be better, it was different because everybody was standing around and were smiling and happy, and I'm like, oh god. But then it was, you know, it was reinforcing the, 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 the etiquette of the time. But then the darkness arrived in very interesting ways and in great, ironic, like, twists of the plot. Yeah. Which brings it back to 94. So I would say my favorite was 94, followed by 1666. Mm-hmm. And then lastly in place would be 1978. And I agree with you. I don't know why. Even though I know it's been done a lot, the mm-hmm. whole camp acting can't. Can't yeah. slasher movie. Maybe that had something to do with it. But I agree with you. I, I think that there was it was necessary because it was a tie in, right? So definitely it was necessary that that the second movie. But I, it was my least favorite. Because I think in the second movie you're following multiple storylines mm-hmm. trying to connect the dots from the first movie. Correct. Right? Which, so, which the storyline was so clear. Correct. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I get to this camp, I'm like, who are these people? Yeah. Like, it didn't make sense. Like, it, it made sense, but it just didn't gel well. And I had to do more thinking than I did in the first one. Yeah. And so, and I'm not against that. By all means, listeners, we're we're good with that. But it was just, I had to think a little more to understand what I was experiencing. Because it, at some point, I thought I realized, this is going to come back to haunt me at some point from my understanding. Yes. Which I now get, right? right. At, right. In the bigger picture of things. Definitely, though, worth watching. And I will say, oh, there was one more thing. The whole numerology thing. So 666, yeah, 666, obviously yeah. the devil, right? <laughs> three, three, t- it doubled is six, right? So we got 1994. If you take the nine, turn it upside down, it's also a six. Mm-hmm. You got 1978. I don't know how to even play that in there. So I don't even know how to make that. Why would I even choose 78 was interesting. I'm wondering yeah. if it had anything to do with, with the modern. I think Halloween came out in 79, but it was shot in 78. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to figure out, or maybe, or I'm, I'm going to look up the date. Maybe I should do it now. Look at the date of that camp massacre, because maybe it occurred at the same time to there. connect there, right, right. right? But then again, why would it do there? And then you got 1666 going on. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. kind of like odd. But um, I thought the numerology was really cool. There were four members in the first trilogy. Mm-hmm. How many members were there? The girl, the guy, the brother, the, the crazy the guy one. in the first one, yeah. 94. Were there five of them? Wait. 
Like, like eventually who became the little hub that was trying right. to survive. Right, right, right. At some point it was five. Yeah. Then it dropped to four, I think. And then, like, there was three. By the end, it was, like, literally three who there was survived. Three. The girl. And then it ended up being two. Then it ended up being two. Right, right. right. So, okay, so you had that going on. I thought that was super neat. Didn't expect that the main character would become so integral. Yes. And the process. Yes, I agree with you. Because I was thinking, okay, she's really great playing this role, but how's she going to work over here? And I'm like, oh. And then there was a point, one more thing, Nadine, I know I'm talking too much. But I no, no, it. not at all. There was a point where I thought, I know this is so creepy to say, folks, but she was going to visit, because in my mind, she's still 16 or 17. Right. Mm-hmm. Then when she goes to this man's house by herself, I'm like, I hope it doesn't take advantage of her. Like, right. I, like in, in 1666. Right. Like, I was like, okay, so this guy's like a father figure. His kids, you saw that grave outside. It was buried. He was already on the outskirts of the town. Yeah. And then she was going to visit. There was this, it was very interesting. I thought it was very interwoven in a very clever way. Did you pick up any kind of, since you mentioned it, did you pick up any kind of like, I don't know, like if they were trying to sell, that because I, I did, they were trying to sell like there was some sort of chemistry between between the two. See, uh, maybe that's what maybe right. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. maybe they were um, selling that, or that's yeah. just a way of framing it, you know. Because I don't want to over-sexualize it, or maybe even want you all think I'm a pervert. Right. But I just <laughs> but I just thought that there was a moment where I was like, oh, I will look after you. I'll let nothing. Hurt. Right. But then I started speculating. Okay, what age is she now? Right. Like, right. is she maybe she is 18 or 19? Because like I don't know. Like I got confused in that regard. Yeah. That's one. So then I thought, think it's this. Would it have been better if they were college age versus high school? Better in the in long run sense. in terms of setting up and our frame of thinking. Yes, were, it would have been more accessible. It would have been a little more accessible because then we could have, it would have just kind of justified the other thing. Because I don't like when I see kids getting hurt, folks. Yeah. Because when I got yeah. to the camp, one well, maybe that's why I didn't like it. The kids were in the camp. Yeah. They and had, then the kids yeah. have to go, their refuge, they're going to a place for safety. Their parents are trusting them in this space. I guess that just bothers me. Whenever kids are like right. going to be taken advantage of, I don't know why. Right, right. Uh, I have a question here for you from Denise. She says, <laughs> I like the question. Imagine life without R.L. Stein. Do you think he's still up the hype he's known for? Um, I'm gonna let you answer this, and then I'll I'll sure. chime in after you. So Denise, I think yes, he's up to the hype. In fact, thank you. He's redefining some things that we need to do. He's reminding folks that well, the children's horror that or the young adult horror that he created or the children's lit that he created is the foundation to what we know him for. Okay. And I think the fact that he's, he's, he's been able to reinvent himself or reintroduce himself, not reinvent, reintroduce himself to a new era of listeners and perhaps potential readers, I think that's super cool. Yeah. And I don't think he's given enough. Like Nadine yeah. said it earlier, he's underrated, um, yeah. you know, in certain aspects. Because he's, he's given an international praise, but not to the extent some of the other renowned writers are given or, or producers of, of horror are given. I think that he's definitely living up to the hype, and I think we need to give him more hype because he's talented. Yeah, and I agree with you. So, Denise, here's the thing. I feel as if R.L. Stein is broader across several spectrums mm-hmm. than Stephen King is. Yes. Okay, I feel that Stephen King is in a very confined, particular area but I feel that R.L. Stein does horror across the board with different types, and he gets funny with some of his series. He gets 
he could get more gruesome with some of I just feel like across the spectrum of horror, he can touch on more points than Stephen King can, yeah. can but Stephen yeah. King gets more credibility. Mm, that's a good point. I, I, I'll add what I said earlier, too, the diversity aspect. I yeah. feel Stephen King, when he does things, they are very, um, what's the way to say it? They give him from a particular point of view that only reinforces the ideology of what fear and how it's defined and who makes fear what yeah. it is. Because when I think of fear, it's not until the recent years, folks, that we're beginning. Now, there was Candyman before. Yeah. We had a few examples, you know, Tales in the Hood and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff back in the day. <laughs> but they were the minority. Now you're getting yeah. Teal with the works that are coming out. You're getting the Mesa Brothers here um, from, from, from South Florida. Um, there is a difference now. I'm liking the diversity that R.L. Stein brings in because that is something that we need. Because, you know, we color folks, and I'm talking color, I mean color people, Latin, you know, Lebanese, Indian, et cetera, Asian. We have scary stuff going on in our world, too, that you need to be watching. That's right. And so I think it's nice that R.L. Stein is just bringing all that in and breaking down those cultural boundaries. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. So Denise reads some more of his books. I do not think he's overhyped at all. Give him a chance, Denise. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got one coming in from Jacob. Have you guys read any R.L. Stein books or watched his favorite movies? Obviously, we watched this one. And if so, which is your favorite? I'm assuming we'll, we'll go with books on that one. What yeah. was your, you, you read some of his R.L. Stein, The Goosebumps. We uh, all know that. Yeah, I read The Goosebumps. Yeah. I read, not only did I read The Goosebumps, I remember watching The Goosebumps show. because It, it was a great show. show. It was yes. fantastic. It would come on on Friday. Yep. Um, so that was always cool, especially in October, right? They would play it. Um, and so the books, okay. So there was a book that I read in the nineties and it had been published for several years already. And it was a fear street series. And I want to say it was something about a cheerleader, cheerleader, of death, cheerleader, something. I remember the book cover by him, by Oral Stein. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it was part of the fear street, uh, series. Uh, I read it in the 90s, but it, it had to have come out in the late 80s. And, I, you know, these the Fear Street books, if you, if you uh, folks, if you Google image Fear Street original covers, they were just amazing. I mean, there, it, was, it was just a great art form. But there was one in particular that I did read about a cheerleader. And I even remember this one scene, if I'm not, because I read a few of the Fear Street books, and I don't remember all the titles. There was this one in particular where uh, one of the characters – like takes the cover off for bed or gets mm-hmm. into bed and touches and she sees that it's like raw meat with maggots mm-hmm. in it and stuff like that. So it's so like yeah. descriptive. Uh, I don't remember the exact name. I remember the, it, it, the title had cheerleader something and I'm sure if you Google it, you can find it. And then of course I read a bunch of goosebumps and I read a, maybe a garbage barrel kid when I was younger, maybe, but uh, I did read definitely a lot of goosebumps. What about you, Billy? I know you've read other novels, that he's written yeah. or not in the Fear Street uh, so, series. So, uh, so I read the Goosebumps stories like right. myself and enjoyed it and watched the shows as well. I thought they were super cute. I like um, Superstition here in my home library. I have Superstition, which was published like 22 years ago. And it's a, it was the first adult novel. Now that I think about it, it has some of the elements of what I see in Fear Street. You know, Old Town versus New Town, the juxtaposition there the conflict of some central issue, um, the, the battle over authority and respect, and also the supernatural. So, And it played on superstition. It was a very well-written novel, actually. And so Nadine just spotted it on the shelf here in the studio. And I will say, Jacob, it was such a cool read. 
I think I appreciate it now, having been introduced to Fear Street through the D. I, I'll be honest, folks. As much as I know R.L. Stein, I never read Fear Street. I heard about it before, but I always thought it was something for kids under 15. Right. I right. never fathomed that it would be what it is, and now I'm going to get some time to look at it. I'm sure we can yeah. find it digitally, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'm sure now because of the series, I'm sure it's going to be even? popping up. You know what? That's, That's a good, good question. Idea. I wonder if it's I'm a graphic check novel. It out. I'm sure now on online you can find a ton of it, especially yeah. since it came out. But uh, when the show's over, that's what I'm going to be doing now that you mention it. Speaking of graphic novels, see, the Dean corrupts me, people. I want you to hear <laughs> this, okay? Um, the com- uh, Oh, my God. What's the name of the app that I use? The comics. Oh, Comicsology? Oh, my God. Folks, listen. Thanks to the Dean, <laughs> I have no life, okay? I can't even finish writing my books and doing my short film. But the thing is, inside there, I came across a horror work recently, and, and the name just escapes me. I'm like, this is like the best $5.99 to ever mention. But I just wanted to add here that I hope, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to go into comicology and see if there's some R.L. Stein works in there. Yeah, that's a great idea. I, I just thought about it because it does celebrate independent. He wouldn't be independent, but I would think he's a throwback, and sometimes the throwbacks, they appear in the, in the archive. And so, something to think about. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, Billy, we have a question here from Stone Cold. Let's see. Stone Cold Marsha. Stone Cold Marsha, I love your name. (laughs) Stone Cold Marsha. And she asks, do you think the series has too many female characters? Oh, that's interesting. I see there are definitely many points of view about women. Marsha, that's an excellent point. I brought it up earlier that I said it was a female, but now I'm thinking about it. But I'm okay with that, Stone Cold Marsha. I don't know why I'm okay with it, because the story is complex enough where it doesn't make that the focus. But we also have to recognize the times we're in. Yeah. You know, we're in a time where diversity, equity, inclusion are very paramount, both in the workplace and in our societies, our, our, our common experiences of engagement. So I'm wondering if that mattered, because there are a number of folks and, and diversity aspects that are infused as R.L. Stein's work that is just, um, uh, for me, I'm grateful to see. But I will say is there, there are many points of view, but I also think the male points of view are there too, even if they are not as, um, I think they help reinforce the female point of view. Like, for instance, the over-sexualized jock yeah. who wants to get with the girl, right. you know, and gets taken out. And then you also have the crazy sheriff. Yeah. I mean, my gosh. I didn't even know that was him in the third one, by the way. In 1966, I had no idea it was oh, the same person. Really? Yeah. I mean, 1666. I didn't think right. it was the same person that was on the outskirts. I'm like, oh, okay, this is making sense now. But the point here is that all the males, if there is a stereotype, I would say it only reinforces the dark, that the evil has to be a male, and he wants to do something wrong to a female. Yeah. And, and you know, Marsha, first of all, excellent point. I love the question because it, it's relevant, right? And... So, yes, there was a stronger female lead in this movie, a lot, except for one, I think. A lot of the yeah. the killers were male in this yes. particular film. Yes, they yes, were. were mostly male. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And so I, I found it a little refreshing, but here's what I will say. I feel, Marsha, that it kind of had to be, and I'm going to explain to you why, especially with the main character. Okay. In 1666, the majority of people accused of witchcraft were women. And so, and in 1666, women didn't have a voice, right? So that lends itself to, we're going to accuse her of witchcraft, Mm -hmm. whatever she says doesn't go, 
specifically because we saw her at that point in time with another woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was bewitched. Mm-hmm. So I feel like for this series, Marsha, it, it, it did center around the women, but it kind of had to because it played into the part that it was leading to in 1666. Mm, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that the day. I, I will say, um, I, I, I say this, I see this. I see the fact that, well, let's say this. Kudos to the fact, and I'm going to bring in a trope that happens to us mm-hmm. people of color. I mean, black and Latino, <laughs> sometimes a Latino guy gets in there, he's sexualized, he's a jock, or he's right. or he's already killed, okay? Yeah, he salsas his, his, his way right, into the scene. He's going to his way into the scene, you know, it's domesticated. <laughs> right, and then, right, right. or the black boy, he's going to get killed, okay? <laughs> it was nice to see. The black boy was a nerd who actually was smart. Yes. It was a biracial girl who actually got to play the protagonist and be the lesbian. Yeah. It was not. It was the white girl who actually was closeted, correct, and could yes. play normal and play face like normal, mm-hmm. normal straight young lady. Um, it played into those aspects, which I think is appreciated that we don't get to see very much today in some of the movies because a lot of the things that we get today are just very static. We got to keep it so much to the original because that's what people are going to relate to yeah. it. And I think R.L. Stein just decided to push the envelope a bit and say, "Screw that, and let's go with this." I agree. I agree. Well, here's the question, folks, if you know this. How much influence did R.L. Stein have on this? Was he directing any of this stuff? We don't know that. I'm wondering if he had any influence on that and how much of the original storyline is actually in the right, movie. Right. And how much Netflix made a part of it, too. So there's a, yeah. you know, I'm curious to know all that. Got a couple more questions coming in, folks, and we're on our last 12 minutes. So if you want to get them in, everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or on our Instagram. But it's been quiet, but we're grateful, I guess. People said it was going to be a Friday night to remember, so we gave us our questions, so we'll take it. Denver, hello, Denver. Denver writes, I really like Fear Street 1666. At first, I was like, what the hell? But now I get it. (laughs) But now I get it. What do you guys think of this movie and how it brings everything together? Denver, thank you so much for your question. question. And we did mention this earlier. I think that the third movie is the tie-in to everything else. It is. So the the third movie is Paramount, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, it... it tells us of that time period, and then it goes back to the first movie. So I absolutely loved it, and I felt it was it was necessary, right? So without that movie, not a lot makes sense. But I do agree, Denver, that it takes a moment as the movie starts, as the, the third movie starts. You're like, okay, where the hell is this going? But then you quickly piece together, and you're like, okay, now I see. And then all the connections mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know that you enjoyed that one. I as did. well, the third installment. But uh, there was one thing, though, I got to say, Denver, and I'm sure the Dean's going to laugh what I'm about to say. Do you remember the part when there was this beating? What the heck was that phone oh, thing? Oh, the, the, the gooey thing? What the hell was that? Like, I didn't. <laughs> like, I thought, I'm like, huh? What? It, like, is something going to pop out, eat, eat somebody? Is the devil going to come to Earth? I was expecting something to be born out of this pod or whatever me, me it was. Too. Me too. And then all of a sudden, it just pulsated. I thought it was kind of cheeky. It was like, mm, okay, I get it. I think it would have been better not to have it. I'd rather have been some windblown, rocks fall over, the right. guy had red eyes. Right. I would have been more okay with that than this pulsating lava thing. Right. Like, <laughs> but you know what's funny about that is that, and, and you're right, but what's funny about that is that we didn't know what it was, but I know we're like, damn, I hope that doesn't pop. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope nothing comes out of that. Right? It's like a, like a satanic fist. It was like, what is this thing? So I was like, Okay, so why is it pulsating? Is it gonna grab him? Is she gonna jump in it? Is it gonna get somebody some power? Right. Is, it gonna, is it like a rainbow? The, 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 the 
the gold, the inner rainbow. What is it? So I thought that was like a little odd. Yeah. I guess, that really yeah odd. It was just very little campy. Yeah. And that's the only criticism I had. I will tell you what creeped me the hell out at the end were the the zombie, whatever they were, killers, yeah. and how they manifested. The one that creeped me out the most was that little boy. Yeah. Yes. Oh gosh, I was creeped out by that. Oh, that was creepy. And how he was coming for them right. and that scene. That moment in the in the in the mall when they were all coming they, outside yes. and they were all powerless mm-hmm. and trying to fight them, I thought that was so awesome. I yeah. loved it. It was yeah. like this is creeping me out to a point where I was I actually sat up in bed. I was like, okay, it's one o'clock in the morning now, because I'm getting all excited. I'm like, you think I'm in the damn movie? And so, <laughs> but Denver, I have to say, it was really good because I get it. Um, but it wasn't. I didn't ever feel from the moment I saw it like what the hell though. I was very like okay. Let's see where this goes. And like Nadine said, in a matter of minutes, you start making connections with familiar faces from previous um, parts or episodes. Right. Right. Thank you, Denver, for your question. question. We have another question here from Sarah. Sarah says, I've never heard of Fear Street, but I'll check it out. Saw your flyer of my friend's repost on Instagram. What other movies will you guys be reviewing? This is good. Sarah, thank you so much. And thank you for, um, for checking out our show. Um, that your friend reposted the flyer stuff like that. Word gets around. Uh, so, we do have quite a bit, like, in it, almost in every episode, we always mention, no matter what the topic is, a movie that may connect to it. Mm-hmm. And we briefly discuss it. Books as well. But we do have some other shows in the works and movies as well that we're going to be discussing. I know that American Horror Story is one I gotta get on have, uh, scheduled as well. So, yeah, Sarah, there's going to be quite a few. And along with the reviews of the movies and the books, our other content, when we focus on paranormal or the oddity or the occult, those are pretty interesting, too. So I would definitely check it out. We have about 26 hours now of audio of different podcasts. So we have 26 hours of our show. Then you can go back and you can check out all of our old shows on Google Play and on Spotify. So thank you, Sarah, for listening in. We appreciate it. Sarah, I, I'll share. You know, Nadim is Nadim is so on his game, like with keeping up with these movies and things. I need to get on my American Horror Story tip. That's going to be my project this weekend. That's like what I'm I'm diving into. Yeah. So definitely got to take a dive into that. I know that Candyman is coming out in the next month or right. so. I definitely want to see how that plays. There are some other things that are out there to this. So we're, we're, we're talking, we're discussing. And Sarah, if you have any recommendations, Absolutely. We take them. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell absolutely. us. Absolutely. <laughs> Call us in and say, hey, listen, I think it'd be great if you guys could review this. We would absolutely love to. Last two questions here. We got unknown. Thank you, though, for the question, whoever you are. I thought Fear Street number two was gory. What do you guys think? I mean, I number think. one had a girl in a supermarket go through a bus stall, more uh, or less the yeah, meat cutter. Like, yeah, so I, I think that's right. Was, I, I believe that one and two. Okay, so let me say this: the movies in general were gorier than I expected, but I was okay with that because I like gore. I don't like it when it's just overtly gory. But yeah. because I felt that it had that throwback feel, I was like, uh, okay, it has that throwback feel. <laughs> uh, was it too gory? I don't know. I, I like. I, I'm not a fan of the of the Saw franchises because I find them too gory. But I guess maybe because I was more intrigued by the storyline, I didn't find it as gory. There were definitely some parts of the second and the first one that I was like, oh, okay, that's a whole lot of blood, you know. But, I mean, 
having said that, uh, it depends on the audience, right? So maybe some people found it too gory, some didn't. Tell me what you think. I know there's some aspects that you thought were a little too gory. I, I, think, I guess the the stabbing. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, whoa, okay, I feel that. Ow. Like, I was like, I get it. And I'm not saying I don't want to watch it again, but I that was the point. It made right. me cringe. And so, but yeah, there was a grinded that the girl, yeah, what the hell was yeah, you, you remember, remember that, that, right? It was the cheerleader yeah, so, girl. That yeah, were, she, yeah, she died. And yeah. so as a result, I don't think that, I think number one was something else. And number three had an interesting moment with the pulsating pod and <laughs> whatever else was going on. And the thing in the well, remember the people had, there was something in the well, the well was contaminated, there was a dead animal or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so I, but then I wasn't gory. So it was right. kind of like, it just reinforced like people were drinking contaminated decomposing water or something that contaminated water. I don't know. But I will say this. Xavier's last question is the good one. Do you think these movies are for kids? So I remember Xavier, when that question came in, it was on my Instagram. I remember that one came in on Instagram. Do you think these movies are for kids? I don't know these movies are for kids. Xavier, I hope you didn't watch these movies with kids. Um, These movies were very gory. You have the slasher element. You have the haunted element. You have, I mean, these movies are not for kids. If you are a fan of uh, R.L. Stein, or at the very least, you want your kids, depending on their age, right? You're the parent, uh, or you're the uncle, whatever the case is. You know, if you want to introduce them to horror, maybe find something like Goosebumps, the old original show. There's even a Goosebumps cartoon, yeah. something like that. But neighbor, these movies are definitely not for kids. There's way too much blood. There's way too much murder. There's, uh, there's sexualized scenes. It, it is not for children under age, in my opinion. No, I agree. I thought, honestly, when I first saw it, I thought it was going to be PG-13. But then when I saw the rating at the beginning, I was like, okay. <laughs> there, you know, like you said, there was a lot more involved than I thought it would be. Yeah, and that's fine because it's for adults. So I think it was great. It's definitely not for kids. But, Nadim, i got to ask you this quick question. Yeah. What age did you first start watching horror? Um, 12. Okay, I was like 12, 12 as well, yeah. like, like 11 12. or 12. 12. You know, I, I and reading it, right? Yeah, when I was reading it as well. my parents. But, you know, my parents didn't like me to have to watch horror movies, but uh, I had a friend who lived in the street, down the street, and he, uh, you know, during summertime, oh, let's, you know, rent a movie from Blockbuster or whatever it is, and there was a group of us, and we'd rent horror movies, right? And then our parents weren't around when I was like 13, 14. I mean, they were around, but we'd go to somebody's house, parents were working, a group of us would just watch a horror movie. So around the 12 to 13. It's about the same for me, too. Yeah. And, and, and Xavier, I think your question was a great one. Well, folks, and it's a reminder, too, you know, not everything is for every audience. So yeah. do proceed with caution. Definitely not for children to watch. So, folks, we want to thank you for, for listening to our show. We had fun. This was so was good. Great thank you. Thank you for this no recommendation. Problem. And I want to remind folks that our next show is live on August 13th, which is two weeks from today. And our subject for now is school horror stories. We're going back to school and you know, schools are beautiful during the day, but after hours or and during the day with other situations that could occur can make them very creepy. And so we want to thank you so much for listening to our show. Continue to support us by going onto Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play and listening to 26 hours of content. We want your support and we appreciate it. Until August 13th, stay safe and we'll be talking to you soon.